Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy, spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. FanList partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and lists tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. When tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those other major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. So go to FanList.com slash Black Hawks crazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash Blackhawks crazy. Here's Nylander in the Oilers zone. Sharp angle. Shot. He scores! Here's Seaver. Great circle. Fires. He scores! Oh, he's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose puck in front. They score! It's on! Should be scores! The cat connects with a one-timer. It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Camp kicks it to a stick in front, came over to Saad, put it to Kubalik, and she scores! His first Blackhawk goal, Dominic Kubalik! Bono there, fires, stopped in front, shot, rebound, scores! Chris Bowden and Scott King break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Welcome back to the Windy City, Andrew Shaw! Now, here they are, Chris Bowden and Scott King. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Here come the Hawks. It's Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio, and Scott King, the Chelsea blogger, the NHL.com correspondent, and the Hawks are on a roll as we record this following Sunday night's 4-1 win over the Buffalo Sabres. That's four straight wins, 6-1-2 and two over their last nine. As you wake up Monday morning and look at the standings, all of a sudden the Blackhawks are just one point out of the second wild card in the West. We will monitor this situation over the course of the next four or five months to see how it uh, how it progresses but it's all good right now but scott tells me for some reason i'm i'm bearing the lead he has something he has to tell me so um wh- what's going on what do you need to tell me well i have some news for uh for you know the listeners who have been with us since the beginning or maybe people that just found the podcast um unfortunately this will be my last Blackhawks crazy podcast with WGN Radio and and probably the likes of uh, Christopher Bowden. Did I fire you or something or no? No, no. I thought you'd try to get it in there after you already knew I'd be leaving. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I I got some career news. I, I don't want to say uh, exactly what yet, but I'm going to be going somewhere that will uh, make it not possible for me to do a uh, a podcast and uh, and other writing works. So you're going to Alaska to cover a team up there. I am. I am. Hockey's starting to catch on. They've, they finally have been watching the movie Mystery Alaska. Uh, no, but, you know, and uh, so this, this, this happened. I'm not going to be doing uh, the podcast anymore. I wanted, I wanted to say at the beginning, I just wanted to do a throwaway line at the end because we have had people who've listened for a long time. And, uh, you know, people like your uh, Katrinas and your Margos and your Paul Berries, and you've know, had some great fans listening. And, and I imagine uh, you, Chris, will carry on the, the podcast legacy here and, uh, you know, do something. And, look, five seasons – Three of which you were on board. This is the 130th episode okay. of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, and uh, it's been a very cool thing that I've that I've done. That I, you know, I was uh, was brought in. Todd Manley was kind enough to bring me in, let me do the the podcast and start the blog. Uh, so thanks to him, and of course, want to thank you for for coming on board and and willing to uh, work with me when you are already you know doing a lot. As obviously as a pre and post game host, for those who don't know, it takes a lot of preparation and and you came in and we had uh i think we we had some fun here uh mike jacobson 
was my um, first co-host and, and was a producer who did a lot at WGN. Uh, Curtis Koch, our producer now, who, who's done so much to kind of make uh, the podcast maybe a little newer and more fun. Joe Romano, our producer before, did a great job. Uh, Mary Sandberg Boyle, who you know kept things going here. Uh, Dave Ennett, who let us do the pod. Adam Hogue, who came in and, and gave us some, some ideas on how to grow it. Marlene Wells has help, helped out a lot, especially with stuff to convention. Ernie Scatton, some great uh, voiceovers and some uh, some fun stuff that fans like. And last but not least, a gentleman who's here uh, listening in the shadows, a Mr. Joe Brand, has helped out the podcast and well as well and helps out with a lot of the Hawks coverage. So, you know, just in my last, with my last episode here, I, I wanted to thank everybody because, uh, you know, we're the ones closing out the United Center here, but we have had a, a lot of help behind the scenes with the pot. All right. All right. I'll see you. Take it All easy. Right, All right. Bye. Bye bye. Uh, no, it's kind of, it's kind of fitting as, as, as you're saying your goodbyes. Uh, uh, we're, we're taping as the, as the Bears walk off the field following a 17 to 7 loss to the Rams in Los Angeles. But no, it's been, it's been nothing but fun. Uh, we've known uh, for more than a week now. Matter of fact, when we taped the last podcast, we had an idea, but Scott is staying in town. Uh, he is staying in the hockey business. Um, not ready to announce it yet, but I'm sure it'll be just around the corner while this podcast is still active and, uh, We'll keep you doing it in one form or another with uh, whatever many form of characters, uh, live or on tape, um, that we that we do. Yeah, and uh, to sit in on the auditions is all. It's okay. a final, all right. final farewell. Yeah. Is this like a reality show or what? <laughs> yes. No, but congratulations. You've been, you've been working it really hard, uh, f- freelancing for uh, a number of years. And uh, some people love freelancing. When you have a family and kids, uh, I was stuck in that mode for a couple of years myself. And you... Uh, you, you just feel uh, a whole lot more pressure to keep finding what the next gig is going to be to pay the bills and whatnot. Um, you know, uh, you know. Fortunately, we're, we're both both been married to women of steady jobs and, and can help provide in those downtimes. But a full time gig with benefits and everything like that certainly uh, cannot blame me. And it has been fun. So we'll keep the pod going uh, in one form or another. Uh, at least, at least I will. Uh, we'll we'll see who comes along along the way or how we decide to divvy this up. But uh, uh, thanks for uh, the original idea and uh, and for making stepping in uh, uh, and doing this podcast so easily to you so all the best of luck so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll miss working with you but as we go to uh, the Bears now or the Bears the Blackhawks now you know there, there was a time a couple of weeks ago when you watch the Bears, you'd watch the Blackhawks, and you would watch Northwestern football offensively and it was just one huge hodgepodge of oh <laughs> <laughs> and is anybody ever going to score here? Well, the Blackhawks are now scoring in bunches. Last six games, they have scored 28 goals. All comes to the uh, the, the tweaks that, that Jeremy decided to make um, in the defensive zone, uh, packing one fewer guy there. Uh, down low, and it's helped trigger the transition game, and it is certainly was has been on display ever since that game in San Jose, the four nothing loss. And here we are. The Blackhawks are off to the races, and it's like um, you'll hear our visit, our post game visit on WGN with Andrew Shaw momentarily. The first thing he answers is, "What's been the difference the last two weeks?" But what a difference two weeks makes, and how incredible is it in this league where the teams that started out cold all of a sudden they're on a hot streak and they're right back in the thick of things, and those teams that started out hot, with the exception of. Washington and the Islanders, uh, they've all in some manner come come back to earth. And uh, here we are. Uh, all the standings are jumbled up, uh, jungle, jumbled up just like the NHL likes as we approach the all-important thanks, American Thanksgiving, looking at the playoff standings. It, it's, it's really been incredible, uh, the different vibe, the bit, different feeling, and the different results here the last two weeks. Yeah, the, the noticeable difference to me is, is just the confidence you see guys playing with. And, and you're getting contributions from all over, but you know something Crawford pointed to in post in post game is you don't want to look too much at individual performances. But since Connor Murphy has come back, this this team looks different, and he's uh, he's been really really dependable on the back end. Um, Kirby Doc just you know not getting a ton of ice time to start his career. I, I know we'll get more into him, and, and we'll hear guys talk about him. But just in the way he kind of was able to take the game over here Sunday night uh, with his two goals, I thought you know in the, in the second of back to back, I didn't think they had a lot of zip to their game. I thought I thought both teams were tired with the second game of back to back. The Hawks were were so much more dominant Saturday night, 
especially looking at how they came out here Sunday in the second period. So for Kirby Dock, an 18-year-old kid, to kind of you know break in the offensive zone and, and early on put the game on his back, uh, very impressive. We're seeing his game continue to trend up. The, the 18-year-old Energizer Bunny, I think yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call him, and we'll hear from him a little bit later on. But you mentioned it. Uh, we noticed it in the booth, too, after emotional big wins in Vegas and Nashville. Never beating Vegas before, finally getting that monkey off your back, and then going into Nashville two and a half weeks after that embarrassment in there, and then embarrassing them in turn. Uh, there's bound to be a little bit of emotional letdown. You're back home, second of a back-to-back, a three-game homestand, all against Eastern Conference opponents, and I think it was a little bit noticeable at the outset. Luckily, the old formula again. The goaltender makes a couple of early big saves and keeps your team afloat and in it. And then um, all of a sudden, you find yourself with a lead. And the Blackhawks are now enjoying life with a lead because for so long during the first month of the season, they always seem to be chasing it. So really an incredible turnaround here that everyone has a little pep in their step once again. So uh, we told you we're going to hear from Andrew Shaw uh, while he visited with Troy Murray and myself during the WGN postgame show. And uh, let's hear that uh, quick conversation that we had from him as he hopped over from the other side of the hallway out of the Blackhawks locker room into our room here. First question I asked him was about the difference here these last two weeks in the Blackhawks play. I think, you know, we had a lot of new guys. Uh, We had a slow start to the year with, you know, Two games and what uh, a seven games or seven day span. I think we just got behind the eight ball, and you know now we're used to each other. We're we're playing our systems better, and you know things are just clicking. And you know we have a really good team here, and and we're going to keep rolling with it. Charlie, the, the okay. team has sorry, the, the <laughs> team has struggled to keep shots off your goaltender tonight. Not too bad, thirty four. What do you guys need to do better defensively to make sure that you cut down on those chances that teams have been getting? I mean, you can say they're getting a lot of shots, but we find they're a lot from the outside. Uh, they're throwing pucks from bad angles. I think we're playing tight in our, our defensive zone, not giving them, you know, those great A's. Uh, just trying to keep them the outside. And, and, you know, you look like Nashville last night. They started the game hot, but they were throwing pucks, you know, from everywhere in the offensive zone. None, none were, you know, grade A uh, caliber. And I think that's it's been a big part of it. But... You know, we're kicking away uh, the second chances there for him and, and, and trying to do our best defensively. After a couple of uh, you know, emotional wins this past week, you, you haven't been here when the Blackhawks had never won against the Vegas Golden Knights dating back a couple of years, but to go into their place and play like you did and then get that game the other night, was there a little bit of a challenge coming back here, starting a homestand after what was a pretty rewarding week? Oh, I think so, especially the way we started the year at home. You know, we weren't happy with it, but, you know, now we got uh, three games here before we hit the road again, and, and you know, we got to take advantage of that. You know, the, the no travel, the sleeping in our own beds, you know, being able to eat and, and be at home with our families. We got to take advantage of that and, and be prepared for the next one. If you look at where you are in the standings compared to where you were a couple weeks ago, you put yourself in a much better situation moving forward. There was a lot of must-win games for you guys early on in the season. How does that toughen the team ment- mentally moving forward, knowing that uh, you know what you guys have pulled yourselves together and put yourself in a better position now? I think it's good for us. I think it was good for us to, to have that start. You know, we make us check ourselves, make us work a little harder, compete. You know, work for those bounces, and you know we're going to build on it and create some character and chemistry and uh, and build an identity to the team. And you know, it's going to be good for us down the stretch. No choice but to spin it the right way. Uh, one one more from each of us. And again, thanks for stopping by. Uh, what's with this eighteen-year-old uh, kid coming in and and, uh, and stealing the show? I, I'm I'm certainly hoping in the room you're. You're putting him in his place every once in a while. Right? Uh, yeah, it's your job, right? We ride him pretty hard, but uh, he knows it's all fun and game, and he, he's a very confident player. You know, he's good at the puck. He's he's that big, lanky centerman who who can you know drag pucks, hold pucks. You know, he kind of looks like him, uh, like Ryan gets laugh a little bit in, in his younger days. You know, he, he's really good at the puck. He, he puts himself in a good position, and he, he can he can beat you one on one. How about that uh, rough and tough character on the blue line there, Eric Gustafson, getting in his first <laughs> NHL fight ever? Did you see what happened, how that started? I think he just got cross-checked high there after he made the play. He put it up ice, and uh, VC came in high on him, and Gus didn't like it. And uh, I love it. I love what Gus did. I, I'm with you. I love it. It's great. Good to see it. <laughs> it is great to see it. And, and he stood his own. He threw some good punches. You know, it's good for him. I'm worried about the pretty face, though. 
I'm so worried about the pretty face. Uh, girls but, like scars, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it'd be all right. What, what does that mean inside the locker room? I know you get it, but what does that mean when you see a guy like Gustafson dropping the gloves and getting involved? It just shows, you know, we got character. We got, you know, that that oomph. Uh, we're not going to take uh, crap from anyone. We're going to stand our ground and. You know, fighting isn't in hockey as much anymore, but we're not scared to do it. And, you know, for him to go out there and do it, get the boys excited, get the boys pumped up and, you know, go out and follow up and, you know, have a good uh, rest of the game. It was huge. You heard Andrew Shaw there talking about uh, my question about uh, the 18-year-old kid in the room and how two- and three-time Stanley Cup uh, winning guys, especially of Shaw's ilk, uh, can keep him grounded, make sure he's grounded. I don't think that's any issue right there. But I brought this up with Troy during the broadcast. Um, the first two picks were clear-cut in this draft back in June. And uh, Kirby Doc was probably third or fourth on, on my list and who I expected Stan to take because Bowen Byram was there. And even though the Hawks had gone defense-heavy, everyone talked about how NHL-ready that kid is. Um, turns out Colorado was so stacked and when they picked him at fourth that he's not even with the team right now. I was a big Alex Turcotte fan as well, a local guy. He ends up going fifth to L.A. But Stan decides to go with Kirby. I think it you know, raised a lot of eyebrows. It certainly raised mine. But, um, you know, I, Turcotte and, and Bowen Byram, they may, may end up being great NHL players. A lot of people expect them to. I don't know if as many people expected Kirby to be – Great, or at least not this good this quickly, and given the opportunity. And uh, Kirby certainly has a, a jump start on greatness over those other two guys, and you know is, is even hanging with the two guys picked before him in the draft, Jack Hughes and Capocacco, with the way he has been performing here. Fourteen games under his belt, five goals, nine points, and four goals in a four-game point streak. I remember when it was a question if he was going to play this season, and now we're looking at what a difference maker he is on a game-by-game basis. Like I said before, he they were kind of easing him in. When they realized he's going to be here permanently, they've kind of been easing him in with his minutes, getting a little more responsibility each game. And he knew he had a long stick being a bigger guy, and he could kind of shield and protect the puck uh, when he's in the offensive zone. But seeing how he could just, you know, backhand it in from the faceoff circle or uh, or uh, crashing the net. And his, his hands are so much better than I thought. Maybe his speed, too. Um, I think that's something even Carlton said that he, he didn't see any reports on his skating or his speed, and he, and he, he was shocked by that. But yeah, just the skill—it's—it's it's there, and I think it's improving. And he is a, a difference maker. I think he can play anywhere in the lineup right now. Yeah, so many times—I'll uh, get to that in a second—but so many times when you've seen him on these rushes in the first uh, 14 games of his NHL career, he—he he does a move and creates even more space for himself, or 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 pulls off a move. Uh, where if a guy is right on him, he manages to find a, an open look for the goaltender, and uh, he's really come, become dangerous. You'll hear Patrick Kane a little bit later on talking about trying to set him up for a hat-trick goal here for the uh, number one star of the game on Sunday night. Uh, getting back to where he is placed in the lineup, uh, when we were talking with Zach Smith in the second intermission during the broadcast, obviously a line mate right now. He's playing with Ryan Carpenter, although you know he's seen a little bit of Kubalik here and there over the course of the last couple of games. But Zach Smith, in, in praising Kirby, said, I don't know how much longer he's going to be on the fourth line. He closed the interview with that comment, and it broke all of us up in the booth because, you know, uh, there, there are people with uh, ants in their hockey pants about wanting to see him up on the same line with Taves, and that may eventually come. That'll be interesting to see if it ever happens. But uh, he is, based on his performance, moving his way up in the lineup. So uh, let's hear from, as we said, the number one star after a two-goal performance on Sunday night against the Buffalo Sabres, Kirby Doc. Did you just want to get that last one? Yeah, I obviously wanted it pretty bad. Tanner gave me a couple of nice chances, and I might all mistake dinner for, for missing those ones. <laughs> Did you take the third one in a chance? I mean, the backhand shot? Yeah, obviously. Um, the goalie's kind of cheating the strong side, so I was trying to put it far side and missed my shot, obviously. This is a night you've been always dreaming of hoping of. Yeah, I mean, starting to play good. I have a lot of confidence in, in myself, and the team's playing good, so I think that kind of helps out individual success. I mean, your team's going the right way, and you're, you're winning games, and you're scoring goals. Uh, your top players are going to produce. Not saying that I'm a top player or anything, but it, it helps a lot when when everybody's kind of going and, and we're scoring. Are you feeling more comfortable in a fourth line role? Maybe the pressure's a little bit more, a little, not, a little off now that you're not up there with the top six right now. Uh, I feel kind of comfortable wherever I'm suited in the lineup. I just want to be in the lineup, and I know 
uh, whenever I step on the ice, I have to be at my best to kind of stay uh, in the lineup and pr- uh, produce offensively, but at the same time, make sure I'm good in my own zone and throw the neutral zone. And I think one thing I've learned here is a good overall game and being a good 200-foot player. Is that maybe your most complete game of the season? Are you laying hits and you're playing strong defense as well? Yeah, I think I'm, each game I'm, I'm getting better and, and pushing myself to, to strive to be better. So uh, I obviously got a lot of good guys in the locker room to look up to and, and learn from and watch what they do on the ice, whether it's offensively or defensively. And uh, I take little tidbits from them and, and try and learn as much as I can. Were you kind of blindsided by that interference call on Reinhardt? Yeah, I mean... Um, I wasn't like looking to go and run him over or anything, kind of going to the bench. I don't have a stick. It, it broke in the corner. They're skating to the bench, get the next guy on, and kind of turned into me. And it, it just happens. I mean, it's, it's part of the game, and obviously it's, it's a penalty, though. they got to go in there and sit in the box. There's 18-year-old Kirby Doc. Uh, there's 21-year-old Alex Nylander, who scored a couple of goals uh, on Saturday night ahead of uh, his first game against his former team and, and Henry Yoki Haru on the, on the reverse side of things. There's 21-year-old Alex Dabrinkit, um, part of this offensive explosion with, uh, what, six assists over the course of the past four games. There's Dylan Strom, came into Sunday night, nine points in his previous five games. Strom, 22 years old. There's Adam Boquist knocking on the door. Um, but but the good thing is to see these guys having a hand and and contributing as part of this turnaround too, and it, and it's and it's really encouraging from a long term standpoint. Uh, no, the season didn't start with all the guns blazing uh, like they did at the end of last year. Your forty goal guys, you know, your eighty five point guys. It just started slowly. Maybe that gets triggered with the the change in philosophy here over the last couple of weeks. But seeing some of these young guys contribute uh, adds to the encouragement of this uh, recent stretch of games for the Hawks. For sure, and it speeds up those guys' development. Um, and then you have guys waiting in the wings like Ian Mitchell that's, that can see and they can maybe be inspired that, yeah, a younger guy gets a chance, jumps in the lineup, he produces right away or he, or he does soon enough, and it's possible. So yeah, I don't think there's any doubt for, for his skill, but he's a guy who could – be around next year, and him. let's uh, let's now hear from the, one of the old graybeards, uh, Patrick Kane, <laughs> going up against his hometown team. And Patrick, uh, first of all, the Blackhawks love playing the Buffalo Sabers. That's ten straight wins over the Sabers here at the United Center. Fifteen of the last sixteen overall. Corey Crawford loves playing against the Sabers. He's eleven and zero for his career. Uh, but when asked about it, he didn't want to pull a pecorine and say uh, anything. Oh, they're easy to play against, or in Pekka's words, that was the easy one of the easiest shutouts he had, which was which was a true statement before he got chased in the second period. On would, would, would a Marion Hoster or Jonathan Taves ever say anything like that? And it, it came back to bite him. Yeah, uh, definitely, as Marion would say, definitely not. So, uh, but Patrick Kane, he likes playing his hometown team as well for his career in eighteen games. 11 goals, 24 points. He scored his 11th of the night. Uh, 11th of the night. Boy, that would have been something. 11th of the season. And Sunday night extended his point streak to nine games with eight goals and 17 points. Here Kane talking about uh, the recent winning ways, uh, the way his points are stacking up, and a little bit about uh, Kirby Doc in this uh, conversation after the 4-1 went over Buffalo as well. For you guys right now, and how much better have you felt uh, the last couple of weeks? Yeah, well, I mean, it's nice to get on a little bit of a run here. I think it's something we've been waiting for all season. And, uh, um, we play pretty well in these back-to-backs. So, um, uh, nice to put a little stretch together and uh, feel good about our game. Obviously, we're getting production uh, from all over the lineup right now, and I think that's key if you're going to go on uh, some winning stretches. Do you get the feeling you? it's sustainable? You could sustain this for a while? Yeah, I think so. Um, I still think we can play better, to be honest with you. Um, you know, tonight I thought from the second period on we played pretty well. I think there's parts of our game that can get even better, um, starting with the power play and also um, maybe not giving up as many chances. Uh, so um, it's all a work in progress and um, just got to continue on here. What's working well for you individually offensively? Well, playing with two good players. Um, you know, Stroman and Brinka are making really good plays out there. Um, even in the first, you know, Brinksy finds me in the slot. Probably should have scored that one. Um, and... Uh, uh, sometimes you, you get hot and um, some pucks and 
things find their way in the net. You find yourself in good areas even when you're not playing your best. So I think uh, even for our line, we got another level too. How good has Kirby been these last few games here? Yeah, he's getting confidence and he's playing well. I think the biggest thing with him is he can he can skate with the puck and he can lug it up the ice. And um, when you do that, and um, you know you can drive in the middle of the rink, then there's going to be some opportunities for you or your line mates. So I think uh, you saw in both goals. Both of his goals tonight, you know, he drives to the middle, um, gets a pass, and all of a sudden he's in uh, in free. So um, that could be a big part of his game going forward. But I think he's he's really starting to uh, feel some confidence. Do you know Do you know the last uh, player to 18 year old to score two goals in a game for the Blackhawks is before tonight? It's definitely not Taze. Awesome, it's you. Must must have been a good good player at 18. <laughs> Do you, uh, do you see anything like yourself in that age in, in Kirby? No. Not <laughs> um, maybe a little bit of uh, like the confidence coming in at 18 to be able to uh, just um, know that you're a good hockey player. And maybe that's a little bit of what I see. Um, that we have some similarity. But besides that, we're totally different players. You know, he's a big guy. He, um, really good, uh, like in puck battles and coming out with pucks and, and skating with the puck up the ice. So um, he continues on, gets a feel for the game. He's going to be a special player. How much were you trying them? to get that third one for him at the end? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, that was a fun shift. You know, Carpy changed early and had a couple chances. Um, I was just telling him I probably could backhand shelf that one. So I took a goal away from myself to, uh, to try and hit him in the slot. But um, yeah, he had a couple chances and. Uh, would have been cool to see even the, the last one where he came around the net and tried to backhand it would have been cool to see him score three backhanders so um, yeah it was a fun shift so you try to mentor him you know because you know uh, what he's, he's going through right now you know what I think like he's living with Sieb so um, I think he gets a lot of that from Seabrook to be honest with you um, sometimes these young kids come in you don't want to mentor them too much let them be themselves um, let them stay confident let them kind of do their thing and uh, I'm sure there's like there's certain things you talk about that you know you can do in certain situations of the game for sure, but kind of let them be themselves. That was fun to score against the Sabers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, obviously, there's probably a little bit more meaning playing in Buffalo, but still seeing that jersey is uh, brings back a lot of memories um, uh, growing up and watching that team. So always good to get one against them. Some uh, some news earlier today about Prestige. Mm-hmm. Just your thoughts on that and what he meant. Uh, yeah, great career. Awesome guy in the locker room. Great guy to hang out with. Scored some huge goals for us uh, in the playoffs, and um, had really had, had a lot of fun playing with him. Um, great teammate. Really good player. Um, obviously very skilled. Um, uh, created a lot of depth for our lineup, where he could play up and down the lineup from the first line to the third line and be an effective player. And uh, uh, had a great career. Slapshot questions. Tweet your questions to the guys at Boda Tweets and at Scott King Media for your questions to be read on the podcast. Yeah, we heard Ernie in the in the open at the very top here, but when we get to this point in the podcast, we need to hear Ernie's voice again. So he cues us up on our hashtag Slapshots questions on Twitter. And uh, a couple of you were uh, nice enough to forward some questions as well. Uh, first and foremost, uh, perhaps the most important question on this list comes uh, from our buddy Margot Rose, who you referred to earlier. As I tweeted out a picture of uh, what was just a scrumptious second intermission dinner, of uh, you tackling those ribs. I don't know if you were trying to type and, and eat ribs at the same time. Pretty dangerous uh, possibilities there. But uh, Margot may have the, the most important question here, right? Margot asks, what's Scott's favorite meal at the UC? And and look, first of all, back to the ribs, dangerous is the right way to put it. Because I, after I, I really enjoy them. They're terrific. But after I finished my meal, I went to the bathroom, and a bunch of media people are in the bathroom washing their scrubbing their hands. With uh, I, I was surprised. Oh, I'm glad they were in the bathroom washing their hands. Yes, then. yes. So I mean, you know, scrubbing the barbecue sauce and the, and the ribs out. It's uh, messy when you're working, especially at a computer. But look, you know, this. I don't know if she saw this answer coming, but of all the stuff I've had, love the tacos. Those little burgers they make. The ribs were amazing. They were very, very good, delicious ribs, and they, and they, they had a very unique taste to them. They had all kinds of barbecue sauce. I think the ribs were the 
the best food, but maybe the messiest also. Yeah. So I, I didn't even try them because I knew it would be trouble, you know, head, headsets, pens, paper, and stuff like that. So I stayed away from that. But everything else that they offered on Sunday night, you had your your uh, mix of grilled vegetables, like like a little, just a little burnt, very good. Um, macaroni salad as well. Uh, there was something else in the mix I'm probably missing right now, but uh, – uh, oh, oh, garlic mashed potatoes. Um, I, I'm I'm partial to the mac and cheese options that they have here. Sometimes they have like three different mac and cheese. But we know, and, it, and it's fitting that this comes first full circle on your last podcast that we're talking food since it was such um, such a, you know a heavy topic throughout most of the course of the last couple of years. And and most most of the fans I think really appreciate that. One commenter who gave us a rating on iTunes so they didn't understand why we always talked about food on a hockey podcast. But I said, you can't just talk about hockey the whole time. You know, everyone likes to eat, especially me. We'll see how that is proceeding forward on this podcast, how much food talk <laughs> food talk there is. Can there be without Scott? That's learn more about, about your interests and hobbies, like, I don't know, your stamp collection or your bird watching. Or... Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for those hobbies to kick in. Okay, other question here. Uh, Jeffrey tweeted at us, uh, hashtag Slapshots. If we got in the playoffs as a wild card or low seed, is it reasonable to think that this run-and-gun uh, style can win in the defensively-minded playoffs is just making the playoffs the goal? Well, uh, ju- making the playoffs is the goal. Yeah, that, that should be for what's happened here the last— uh, every, team, every team in the NHL, right. you just get in. But in terms of whether this is sustainable, uh, first of all, to be good enough to make the playoffs, and B, once you're in the playoffs, to have any degree of success— I don't think there's any question, and I think it's it's Jeremy's goal here to figure out a way to lift yourself, you know, maybe at least into the low 20s in terms of shots against in the league because the Blackhawks are 31st right now. Uh, 30, 34 on Sunday night was probably, you know, practically a walk in the park for Corey Crawford based on based on what based on what he's seen so far. But there is no question. Can they make the playoffs with this style? I think they can make it. Whether they can have success in the playoffs, I think everyone knows they're going to have to find a way to improve to cut down on those shots against while still being able to play this transition game that has resulted in in what has been kind of a resuscitation of the offense. Well, they're winning games now, and you could probably see them win games in the playoffs they were to get there because of not only are they scoring with the run-and-gun style, but you have the goaltending you have. And, yeah, the shot totals are still pretty high, and, and they were ridiculous a little bit ago. But I think your defense is doing a better job of making those shots on goal uh, less of a, a quality look each time now. I, I think you know getting Murphy back, guys are, are sticking with their guy. Maybe it just took even more time to get the uh, the system down, the man-to-man coverage down. Um, I, I know guys like Taves even talked recently about your, your tendency is still kind of to go right to the zone um, or, or the old way of doing things. Uh, so I, I think defense has been better. I think they've been sticking with their guys. I think they've been taking up lanes. Um, not a big, not a lot of big lapses there. So I think they're they're getting rid of the other team's quality looks, or at least limiting limiting them a lot. Um, final question from uh, Ishmael lives on Twitter. Um, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with the NHL? First of all, let's watch the language. Okay, this is a family That's podcast, so you don't get to curse your head off. Uh, what the uh, H-E double toothpicks is wrong with the NFL? No games on Sunday afternoon. Weeknight games starting so late. I have trouble staying awake to the end. I get catering to working uh, folks' lives. But what about kids and old farts? His word, farts like me. Um, so thanks for the question, Ishmael. First of all, um, Sunday afternoon games during NFL season. Eh, I don't know. If, I don't know if, if that's going to work too well. Uh, you start seeing some national games once, and well, after we're past the first of the year. Um, so, if I'm the NHL, I wouldn't roll the dice going up against the NFL. So, hopefully, you understand that. And uh, trouble staying awake uh, to the end on, on weeknights and stuff. Well, believe me. When the Blackhawks are on the West Coast, I would love them to be starting the games at five o'clock local time Pacific. <laughs> so I'm not walking out of out of uh, our studios downtown at twelve or one in the morning after our post game show. So I am totally with you on that. But um, that would, of course, screw up the the local fans out west. That, you know, can they get there straight from work or have a? <laughs> 
<laughs> have a direct drop off from work local time there, five o'clock or so on the West Coast. So I think that kind of explains that. Um, so it's, it's with time zones. I hate time zones. I hate different time zones. I wish everyone was the same if that were at all possible. But uh, because I, I get confused every uh, fall back, spring ahead. Or wait, is it the other way? I'm not, I'm not sure. But hopefully that that explains it for Ishmael. And uh, yeah, keep it clean next time you're tweeting at us. Yeah, I appreciate how you reiterated that he used the word farts <laughs> multiple times. But uh, I think for me, it's always the, the playoffs. It seems like, A, they have so many teams to get in in, in different zones. But it seems like a lot of times that first game could be earlier, especially what's on on the East Coast. Uh, th- those those games start late and they end extremely late. And looking at the first round, maybe two rounds of the playoffs is, is my issue. Yeah, and and when when the Blackhawks were making the playoffs, because you had East Coast teams and the Blackhawks were in the West, we were sitting at certain points here in Chicago, starting games at eight thirty and eight forty five, in order to try and stagger them through different time zones and. Uh, not have them end at the same time. I think they kind of like like staggering those starting times. So playoffs, um, as much as you want to get back in, in the playoffs, that's going to have to be one sacrifice you make if the Blackhawks do. You might be looking at some uh, a later starting times here. So thank you again for uh, all your questions. We really appreciate it. Before we put a wrap on this show, we want to let you hear from Christopher Stieg, two-time Stanley Cup winner for the Blackhawks, who announced on Sunday in Rockford, he had been with the Ice Hogs all season long that he has, in fact, decided to retire, barring playing for his country at the Spangler Cup, which happens at the end of the calendar year. If he gets selected for uh, Team Canada at the Spangler Cup, uh, he would like to do that. That t- takes place uh, in Switzerland this year. Or the possibility of playing with his brother, Mitch, who is playing in the in Slovakia right now. Other than that, though, uh, Christopher Stieg has decided to step away from the game. Got only in, uh, in only six games this year for the Ice Hogs. Had one assist, was a healthy scratch a couple times. Uh, dealing with that AHL schedule where sometimes you had three consecutive games on a weekend, that's a little different dose of coffee. So uh, let's hear from Christopher Stieg, his explanation on Sunday morning about his decision to retire. Yeah, it was uh, when I got hurt, I guess I had a few weeks to kind of uh, you know assess things and you know see see what I kind of envisioned you know for myself and what was fair to the kids on this team and what was fair to the coaching staff and myself and everyone involved and I came back and I was feeling good but there there's a little bit of a you know I, I couldn't match the intensity that these kids were were bringing every day I didn't feel and uh, to me you know not being able to do that is a disservice to them because that's kind of how I've always played my game was intense and playing at a high level so uh, and also seeing kids sit out and not playing and you know trying to find their way to the NHL if if I'm in there and I'm not pulling my weight or doing what I need to do and I know I'm not then it's not fair to them was it a mental thing more than a physical thing then yeah I'd say it'd be more mental for sure yeah so what's next for you well, right now uh, I'm hoping to go play uh, just at the Spangler Cup and maybe go play with my brother a little bit here, and and yeah, I'll be done. So this is I know this is my last year, and uh, I'll kind of see where it goes over the next few weeks. But I'd really like to go uh, play with my brother and play at that Spangler Cup. It would be pretty cool to do, you know, before I retire. Is this considered a retirement then? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is, yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm done. So. Uh, um, but like I said, the only the only way I'll be playing the rest of this year is if uh, I get to represent Canada at the Spangler Cup and, and get to go play with my brother. As far as you kind of mentioned it there, um, you know, the, you're seeing these guys coming out and, and putting their lives on the line. You mentioned that last week. Is that is it just a mental thing that just you couldn't get over that hurdle uh, once you saw it? That's a big part of it for me, uh, to be brutally honest. I... I was sitting on the bench and kind of looking down and I, I could see it in their eyes, you know, and I could see everything they're putting into it and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not able to match that and I'm not able to put that same, same focus and intensity into my game. And, uh, it, so it was hard for me to play at the level I needed to. And it was hard, uh, to watch kids sit out for me and, yeah, men, but the mental part was a big part of it, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else to say after that. This just creep in recently. Did you feel it coming at all last season? No, I mean at the start of the year, I felt great. Uh, camp, I thought I was playing really good at camp, uh, and then I kind of got hurt in that Washington game, and it lingered and lingered for uh, 
three weeks and then finally it got hurt more and then I finally had to sit out for about two and a half three weeks there uh, but then when I got back and felt healthy, felt good. But I, I do look at that schedule coming up, uh, and it's compact games every day. And I, I don't know if, if uh, with the way the league's played, with the physicality in this league, if, if I could even physically hold up the rest of the season. I mean, you look at four and five games a week sometimes. And, uh, yeah, that definitely, I looked at that part of the schedule, and it scared me for sure just to, just to see that. And like I said, with the physicality of the league, so... Uh, that part played a lot into it too, though. I mean, there, there's there was a lot of you know factors that really played into the whole thing. As far gotcha. you joked uh, last week about you know talking about coaching when we caught up with you during media day, but I mean, did, now with this announcement today, is that creep up in your mind? You do have a lot of friends, a lot of former colleagues of yours that have moved into coaching either with the Blackhawks or other organizations. Any thoughts on staying in the game, or is this just an opportunity to to take a step back? Yeah, I think uh, you know once once I'm done the Spangler, if if I get to do that, and once I get to play, uh, you know maybe there, uh, I'll re. I mean, I've been thinking about it to be honest for last year, or so when, especially last year. But I think once that's kind of settled and the dust settles, then I'll really start to see what I can do after. But I, I would like to probably do broadcasting or, or something along that lines. Uh, follow you, and uh, but I, I think that's suits me the best maybe i i would maybe coach uh once my kids are a little older but they're pretty young right now and i know uh playing hockey the last four years you're not around very much so uh it's time to spend time with them and um and then see i guess what kind of comes up but uh, i wouldn't totally count out anything but uh, i would see tv being the, the lead lead thing i would like to do what is playing for this organization at this level and in the NHL just meant for you over the years? Yeah, I get pretty emotional talking about it. It's, uh, man, like in, in 2005, I was working at Sport Check. You know what I mean? Like selling clothes and, and rollerblades. And two years later, I'm, you know, in the Western Conference. You know, I'm playing in the NHL. And three years later, in the, in the Western Conference Finals, playing the Detroit Red Wings. So... Uh, things moved pretty quick over a three-year span, especially when I came to Chicago. Things started to snowball fast, and um, then you win a Stanley Cup, and you make friends. Like all, all the guys on that 2010 team were all very close, and I still have some of my greatest friendships from that team, and, and I'm sure I will till the day I die. So, uh, yeah, this organization, man, I, I really can't uh, begin to say how much it means to me, and you know, it, it's given me everything I have today. How tough was it to get a couple of healthy scratches? I didn't know if that's something you had to deal with ever before in your career. Did that play into this at all? Was there any? Well, I wasn't. I, I was healthy. It was me and Kinger talked about, and I told him I couldn't play, or it wasn't so much uh, sitting out because of my play or anything. It was more the fact that we looked at games, and uh, I was coming back from injury, and we saw back to backs right away, and. Uh, we didn't want to throw me into two games at once, so that was kind of our thought process on that. Is it kind of just a thing of father time, just catching up real quick out of yeah. nowhere? You hear about these athletes, it just comes and goes right away like that? Yeah, like physically at camp and everything, I felt good. I thought I was skating good and felt good, and until I got hurt in Washington, I, I really felt really good, and uh, when I came back, I do too, but uh, I, I have been through the ringer, you know, the last seven years I've had uh, you know, two hip surgeries, an ACL, uh, hand reconstruction, uh, groin, two groins. So I've had uh, a lot of scarring and a lot of issues that affect me on a daily basis. And that's just something you deal with, though, as a hockey player. But And, and then every scar and everything's worth it uh, for the career I've been able to put through. And I'm proud of them. But uh, they do take its toll. And some mornings it makes it pretty hard. Now, when you look back at your career, what do you take away from these 14 years throughout playing all over the place? Yeah. Um, real, like, you know, when I was 19 and uh, I got uh, told I was going to go to Providence as a 19-year-old and, you know, I flew out and my grandma drove me and she was crying like I was never going to come home, you know. And I remember that moment my whole life. So it was uh, it was a... Uh, great moment for me and it was something that I'll always remember but yeah it's time to it's time to come home now 
I'm sure there's a lot of excitement too. You get to spend more time with your family. I know you've been away from them during your time here with the Ice Hogs, but I know it's bittersweet, but it has to be exciting to know what that next step is with, with everybody by your side. Yeah, it's exciting. I think uh, uh, I've put a lot into it, and you know, at the start, you're like, ah, I'm not going to retire till I'm 40, you know, and then five years from I'm not going to retire till I'm 38, and then this year I'm like, shit, you know, <laughs> 33. But um, but everyone I seems to get. You know, it gets younger and younger, you know, from when I started, you know, um, when I was 19 till now. And uh, uh, it's something that came faster than maybe I would have liked. But at the same time, it's just the way everything's going. And you, you got to get with the times and uh, you got to always evolve and uh, be willing to change and do things in, in your life. And that's what I got to be willing to do. You'll be able to ride away with no regrets, no looking no. over your if, if I didn't come do this, I'd regret it, though. Yeah, for sure. If I didn't come to Rockford and and come to NHL camp, I, I would have been sitting at home wondering what if, for sure. So that would have been a regret. This is, uh, I laid it all on the line and, you know, it didn't work out, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I got, you know what, the biggest thing I got to come back was come back and, you know, gain some humility again. You play in the NHL so long, I think you forget what the real world's like and what these guys go through. And, uh, you know, the, everyone's still here that, you know, a lot of guys are still here. From uh, you know when I was here a long time ago, and you know when you were announcing the purists back there, that story that no one believes, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like the whole, the whole thing, just getting that whole uh, feeling that uh, man, I, what it actually took to make the NHL, and seeing these kids what they go through, and it puts a lot of things into perspective coming back. Well, there's a lot of kids that look up to you to this day, even guys in the Rockford Ice Hogs locker room right now. I mean, I know a lot of people have asked you questions, but what's probably the biggest piece of advice when you see these young guys looking to have a career like yours as long as it's been and as successful as it's been? Yeah, you got you to gotta fight, man. You just got to give everything you got, and you got to enjoy the days in between. And um, Always trying to get better is the big thing, and looking at ways to get better but uh when it's your chance you know you got to fight for it and you know if you're not if you don't like something ask questions too that's the big thing i think a lot of people don't ask questions and they're scared to to do that and i think over my career i've asked a lot of questions and maybe pissed some people off but i think asking questions ultimately got me an opportunity because i was a fifth rounder and maybe i wouldn't have got that so i think at the you know fight for your career that's it's short you penned a letter, uh, you know, to the organization, to the fans. What was going through your mind when you when you wrote that? Yeah, it was pretty emotional. You know, you think about it because I can still remember that day like it was yesterday. You know, getting called up to the front of the bus and and Gordo uh, telling me I was traded, and I, I was, you know, he kind of brought me out of the sewer and helped me become a hockey player again. So I owe him pretty a lot, a lot to my hockey career. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, he turned me. In, into a confident player again and I was you know top 10 in scoring as a rookie in the AHL and things were going great and you know I'm like man I'm going to be in the NHL at some point and then he calls me to the front of the bus I'm like I'm getting up to the NHL this is my time and now you got traded so it was just like it was such a crazy crazy uh I guess circumstance and things you know changed so drastically and differently and it was uh it was a pretty wild day and pretty wild time and I, I really remember it like it was yesterday Action to your decision, and did they try to talk you out of it? Um, my brother is the big. He's always kind of told me that. Uh, I, I I text him a couple of times after games, like, you know, I, what do you think? And he's like, oh, you can still. He's like, man, you can still play. There's no doubt about the playing aspect. He goes, but how do you feel? And I'm like, I don't know. And, you know, I, I feel good, but I don't know mentally if I can get engaged. And then I called my dad, and he's like, well, if you feel like that, then you know. Maybe you should consider things. And uh, I talked to my dad, too, and he's always been a realist. Uh, I remember when I wasn't playing very well in Rockford, actually, in 2007, and I called him, and I was like, you know, screw this. I'm not playing. The coach isn't playing me. And he's like, well, come sell tractors with me, you know. He doesn't care. And we kind of had that same conversation. It was kind of crazy about a week ago, you know. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm out in Chicago. I'm getting hit every shift. And he goes, what are you crying about? You never cried about this when you were engaged and, and carrying, you know, and, and playing. You just played hockey. So he's like, maybe you got to think about things too. So, you know, you get 
two people who watched me very close and who I counted on a lot throughout my career, my brother and my dad. And when they kind of tell you that thing, it, it, it makes you think even deeper into the situation. And, and uh, they definitely helped me get through it. Good on Christopher Stegen. I think I, I go back when hearing him talk in training camp when he was here looking to make the team or, or going. Yeah, the initial intention was for him to be a mentor down in Rockford. But we weren't ruling out the possibility that the Blackhawks ran into some injury problems and he was playing well that we could potentially see him up here. Uh, so I'm not sure if it was a, a physical thing. Uh, or the only physical tie-in was the grind of that AHL schedule. But you hear him talk there about um, how tough it is to keep up with some of these hungry kids right now. Uh, He had that shot of confidence playing overseas late last spring, and that convinced him to give it another try here. So all the best of luck with Christopher Stieg, and you heard him there as well. And that sequence back and forth with reporters, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a television or a radio near you talking uh, hockey in some form or another. Maybe a podcast. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, I might need a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll get some some rapping, some uh, some some freestyle on a podcast. No, yeah, he, great career, and you know, it's outside of the guys being hungry. HL is just more physical. He had a, a bad injury this year, and he's a guy who's had injuries throughout his career. So, I mean. Just a fabulous career, and it's good he at least gave it a go and, and captained the, the, the team here and I'm sure mentored some guys. But I think another thing he mentioned, at least to the Daily Herald, was um, that he didn't want to, you know, if he couldn't play or play to the best of his ability, he didn't want to take a roster spot from somebody, you know, trying, trying to make it. So uh, that was uh, good on him as well. So good best of luck to Chris Versteeg once again. And uh, as we wrap up here in our final Blackhawks Crazy podcast, sponsored by FanList with Scott King, again, uh, thanks so much uh, for uh, making these fun. And uh, best of luck in your next endeavor, which I know I can at least say we'll be seeing you. uh, Around here frequently enough. And uh, our next podcast, by the way, uh, in whatever shape or form, Sans Scott will be uh, following the game on Tuesday the 26th. We'll have that for you on the following Wednesday morning. So you'll just have to tune in and see uh, what that next podcast is like without uh, one Scott King. But uh, any uh, any final words? I know there's a couple thank yous that you, you didn't get around to at the top you want to get back to here. Just a call, but I, I wanted to thank you again for everything. Truly, Chris, I appreciate it. Um, your time and efforts and, and making this fun as well. And, and closing out. I knew one of us was going to do it. <laughs> Closing out the United Center uh, every time we did this post game, it was it was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Um, my parents listen to every episode. 130 uh, podcasts from my parents. They retweet those links like crazy on Twitter. Yeah, they do. Still they do. <laughs> my dad, my dad does, and my mom on Facebook. It's much appreciated. And uh, Tim Devitt is a, is a guy who's uh, always fun to see around Hawks events. Who, who I know listens all the time. So thanks to Tim, and thanks to all the listeners. Whether you listen to a couple or you hung in there, you know, all five seasons. I, I really appreciate it. And and thanks again to everybody at WGN. It was a very fun ride. Indeed it was. So uh, best of luck again. We're going to see you around the United Center, I have a feeling. And uh, uh, you'll be covering this this Blackhawks team as well. So it's been a blast. We also want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Again, the next one coming following the game on the 26th. It'll probably be out there on Wednesday morning, the 27th. So again, you'll just have to wait and see what, what kind of podcast it's like, who's on, what we're doing, all that stuff. Thanks as well to Ernie Scatton and to our producer, Curtis Koch, for slapping this whole thing together with tape and paste and glue like he does in a tremendous fashion as always have a great week everyone hopefully the time of our next podcast we're talking about the blackhawks still on a roll as they ran it to four in a row after sunday night's 4-1 victory over buffalo the beginning of a three-game homestand have a great week everyone thanks for listening to the blackhawks crazy podcast tell a friend Subscribe and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets and at Scott King Media. That was great!